Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you today. I think we can all agree 2020 has been a difficult year. And uh, I don't know about y'all, if you're starting to like catalog the different things you've lost. I know our home, we lost one more opportunity this weekend due to, due to COVID, uh, uh, something we didn't get to be a, a part of. And it gets difficult. And you know, when you're going through losses, when you're experiencing difficult things, boy, it's so important you have things in your life that discipline your heart and mind to stay focused on the Lord. And as a matter of fact, today you're going to hear two things. Well, one you just kind of heard, but two things that really help us discipline our heart and mind on God when we're in the midst of losing, when, when we're in the midst of uh, not liking w- what is going on. One is the Word of God, and, and you'll hear about that in the message today. But the other is music. Uh, music has a profound impact on our soul and what we focus on. And uh, I, I think of this uh, CD that we have right now, Forever Faithful, and uh, not just a collection of great songs, and you've heard some of them already. Uh, we're going to be doing a special uh, worship service the Sunday before the election uh, in November. So it's, uh, it's not just a, a great group of songs, but it's a great message about God's greatness, God's goodness, and and God's faithfulness. So I think any time this is a great CD, but boy, particularly this year and what we've got going on. You may have just noticed from the ad, they're a little bit better price right now. That's going to go up in in November as we've kind of got them to ourselves right now. But as it kind of goes literally nationwide uh, throughout churches in the country, uh, it's going to go up in November. So at either desk out here, you can get a copy of this and boy really encourage you to check that out and enjoy the the message of this. Now I made reference a moment ago to our message today and that's going to be brought to you a little differently uh, in terms of the person bringing it and that is going to be Jordan West uh, down here. Y'all know uh, Jordan usually standing over in this area right here uh, with his guitar and uh, Jordan has a, a, a profound love for music and how God had used him in music but but uh, Jordan's also prepared, planned, and uh, is kind of seeking God on a, on a broad spectrum of ministry. He got his undergraduate in, in worship ministry, but uh, did his uh, master's, his seminary work, and uh, again, a broader realm of ministry. And Jordan is exciting in that he is a, boy, he is genuinely a product of this church, like from bed babies children, youth, and, and, and on up. And uh, to see him coming into ministry now, uh, we're really excited. I've asked Jordan to uh, preach three or four times before today and, uh, and then took back each one of those times, one by one, for various reasons. And uh, so today, I thought I probably ought to let him keep uh, this one. So real excited to have Jordan come and, and just blessed... Uh, I've not been here his whole life, but almost close to it now at this point, and uh, just to, to see him, and he, he just did an awesome job the last hour, and uh, I know you're going to be blessed. Some of you, he's just a person up here, but but some of you actually have watched him from bed babies on, and I think are really going to be able to celebrate uh, what the Lord has done and is doing in his life. Let's have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll turn our attention to the screen. Let's pray. Father, 
Father, we come before you today, and uh, Lord, whether it's through the music that we choose or the, the Word of God that we focus our heart on, Lord, it is, it, there are times that it is very difficult to hold on to you, to trust you, to see you in what is going on. And Lord, I pray we discipline our heart and mind to stay focused on your goodness and your faithfulness and your greatness. Lord, in the, in the midst of all that, to be able to, to come into your house or to engage online and to be able to give, to, to give of our, our resources, our finances, to honor you with the tithe, to give our attention and our energy uh, to, to listen and to be still, to give our songs, to give those to you, Lord. You are worthy. And I pray this, this time together gathered in person, online, God, I pray that it is expressed clearly how worthy you are to this church and to, to each one of us individually. And God, I pray that you are blessed and you are honored by all that is going on here today. And you will use this to prepare us to, to live in the week ahead and to live well for you as we follow you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, <laughs> we just um, are heading to Vic Falls, Victoria Falls. We are on a bus, and it's going to be six hours on the bus. Two hours to go still. couple quick questions for us as we get started. First, who here has been to Niagara Falls? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, quite a few. Niagara Falls is incredible. I mean, like, 
really, wow. It has the most water coming off of any waterfall in the world. So it's, it's impressive in and of its own right, okay? I have another question. Who here has been to Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe? Okay, there's more people in this service than there were the last one. I see a few, and Kyle, of course. Kyle made that video because I can't edit. He actually told me, he sent it to me earlier this week. He said, it's not done yet. I need to finish the color. It looks the exact same thing. I'm colorblind, so looked great earlier this week, man. Um, yeah, there's a lot fewer of us that have been to Victoria Falls. In fact, I, for those of you that have not been there, I want to explain to you the difference between Niagara Falls and Victoria Falls. Again, Niagara is impressive. Like, I'll, I'll give you that. But when we get to Victoria Falls, that first waterfall, that little tiny one, and I'm and you're thinking, that wasn't little. That's 355 feet tall, over twice the height of Niagara Falls. It's impressive in its own right. We walked up to it, and as we got to the edge of it, we put our hands out, you saw in the video, and you could feel the heat of the Zambezi River. You could feel the power as the wind and the water rushed up just from the small waterfall. Because as you pan over and as we continue to walk, what's so impressive about Victoria Falls rather than Niagara Falls, and the reason Victoria Falls is one of the seven natural wonders of the world is because it is 355 feet high, twice the height of Niagara, and five times the length. You, you might have looked at it and thought, oh, we're showing one clip of this waterfall and just maybe from different angles. No, what we documented was our mile-long walk to see the entire waterfall. It is incredible. The falls span an entire mile. Wow. It's, it's amazing. And now you know about it, right? Well, see, I knew about it too. Like, because I do this thing when I, I get kind of like obsessive about something. My wife knows this. Like, if I get locked onto something I think is really cool, I do this thing called Googling. And just like nonstop, I just lock into what's going on. And I will literally find every video, every piece of information I can absolutely find. And I will watch all of it. And I knew all of this about Victoria Falls. In fact, I had actually gotten so close to going, not once, but twice. The first time, actually, I went to Zimbabwe and my brother and my dad were in Zambia. And the Zambezi River comes from Zambia and it drops into this canyon into Zimbabwe. So here I am and here my, here's my family and we didn't go. And both of us knew about it. And the whole time we're like, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be awesome if we're able to find a way to go? But we never went. The second time, didn't go. But I knew all about it. I knew literally every piece of information that you know, I knew about it. I have another question. Who thinks that in their lifetime, they might actually go and see Victoria Falls? Okay, okay. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, why not everybody? Well, to go, I mean, you have to go to Africa. So that's, that's one thing. Then you have to get to the falls, which our trip, another story for another time, but it was a trip. And, and it really was. Um, 
but as we look at it, it seems like it's kind of reserved for a smaller amount. And you know what? That's fine. You can have a God-honoring life and never go to Victoria Falls. You can make it happen. You can follow God and him come at the very end. He say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because going to Victoria Falls is not the thing that God has asked us to do, right? The problem is, I fear that we've become too content with the idea that going and actually being in the presence of God and experiencing the presence of God is also reserved for the select few. See, I knew all there was about Victoria Falls, but it wasn't until I actually went that my face, my shirt, my pants, and my shoes got soaked with the power of the waterfall. It wasn't until I went. I I saw it with my own eyes when I went. And too often, we actually believe that going into the presence of God is reserved for the select few. But the Bible doesn't teach us this. When we talk about the presence of God, what we're talking about is the manifest presence of God. Now, manifest is a big word, but it's different than omnipresence, okay? Omnipresence means that God is like everywhere, like literally everywhere. He's right here. He's out in the foyer. He's outside. He's on the other side of the world. He's out in space. God is everywhere because he is omnipresent. He's that big of a God. Manifest presence is different because it's not that God is over here or over there, but it's that he is right here, present with us. And maybe you've experienced this. Like, I, I mean, I know I have. I, and throughout my life, maybe it was at like the different mountaintop moments, okay? Maybe it was like a youth camp. Maybe it was during a certain like message that you heard and you heard the message and you're like, wow, that spoke to me. I feel like I feel like the pastor was speaking right to me. Maybe it was the chills that came on your arm as you heard a truth. Or maybe you heard a song. The tears that began to fill your eyes. There's all these things that we can notice. We're like, I, I, think, I think God is here. Like, not just everywhere, but like he's here. The manifest presence of God is all throughout the Old Testament. We actually see it in Eden the Garden of Eden, that God walked with Adam and Eve. And as they walked through the garden, he was with them. We see it again in the Exodus account. We see it in the burning bush. We see it in the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night as God led the Israelites. We see it later in the, in the construction of the temple. I love this, that as they built the temple and they finished the sanctuary, the the presence of God filled it up like smoke, so thick that they just had to stop what they were doing. They could no longer function because God's presence filled the temple. Later, we see it in the Holy of Holies. That's this very same temple. It, just to be really brief to explain the temple, you basically have the outer courts, the inner courts, the holy, holy place. Like, and you just keep going in, and then there was this place called the Holy of Holies. And in front, of, in front of the Holy of Holies was a curtain, not like a little shower curtain that, you know, divided us from the presence of God. No, like this curtain was so tall and it was actually six inches thick. It's this massive curtain. And inside behind the curtain was the presence of God where he dwelled with the Ark of the Covenant. And one person, one time a year could go into the presence of God. 
Now, you might be questioning here, because I just said, hey, look, we've gotten too content with this idea that only reserved for the select few is the presence of God. And now I'm telling you that in the Old Testament, the presence of God was reserved for one person one time of the year. Now, get this. He would go in, and as he would go into the presence of God, he had to make sure that everything in his life, every sin was atoned for. That word atoned basically means made right. So he would have to make a sacrifice to pay for his sins. And as he would go in on the day of atonement to make a sacrifice to cover the sins of of the nation of Israel, if he had not properly atoned or made right his sins, he would drop dead because the presence of God was so powerful and so holy. So what they would do, because obviously if someone died going into the presence of God, if the high priest would go and he would die, they would just wrap, they would tie a rope to his ankle and they would put some bells around him. That way, I imagine, this is how I picture it, it probably wasn't exactly like this, but they would go, he would go into the temple and you know, they'd listen and if they heard the bells fall, they would know he died and they would just pull him out. That's what they would do because the power and the presence of God was incredible, and they couldn't go into it. Later, we see the manifest presence of God in a baby. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the Messiah. And we know that that baby ended up growing older and dying on the cross for me and for you. And anybody who is in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, this is the cool part. We often overlook this, but when Jesus died on the cross, it records that the veil was torn. That temple that reserved the presence of God, the veil was torn. Hebrews chapter four says this. Since then, we have such a great high priest, Jesus Christ, the son of God, who is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who has been tempted and tried in every way that we are and yet is without sin. Let us then draw forward with boldness to the throne because it is a throne of grace. So that way we receive grace and mercy and the time of need. And we've become content with this idea that the presence of God is reserved for the select few. And scripture teaches that we have access to the presence of God. Not just access, but we can come forward with boldness before God. That which was reserved for the select few is now open to me and you if we are found in the name of the Lord. So that way we we can receive grace and mercy and the time of need. And I found myself this year because this year has not been fun. It's been hard. Okay, who's had fun this year? Okay, like, all right, you, know, you would. But, you know, hey, look, this year I've had glimpses, but this year feels like I'm just being beat to the pulp over and over. And I said, God, I need grace. I need your mercy. God, I need your presence in my life. I look at our church, the fact that for a while we couldn't even meet I look at our community and the way that they are hurting. I look at the sickness. I look, I look at our country and how divided it is. It seems like we can't agree on anything. I said, God, I, please give us your grace and your mercy. This is the time of need. Amen? We need his grace and his mercy. And this is what he's saying. Draw forward with confidence and boldness because it is a throne of grace. So essentially what we've decided to do 
is we know we have access to the presence of God in our life. And God has given us everything that we need to experience his presence. Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and for you. So if we're in the name of Jesus, we have access to the throne. God has given us all the tools we need. I have a plate, I have a fork, I have a spoon, I have a knife. I have delicious food. And let me tell you, Debbie Huerman set this table up for me. And if you know Debbie, you know this table is, it's loaded to the nines. It's incredible. And listen, I can look at it. I can smell it. It smells delicious. I didn't realize she was making cupcakes, but she made cupcakes. And they look, my mouth is watering, all right? It is awesome. I take after my father. Food is a good thing. Listen, I can look at this and I have everything that I need to partake in a great feast. I have everything I need. And yet, instead, I can decide to not partake. And you, are, you and I are in the same position. God says, draw forward with confidence and boldness. And yet, we decide instead to starve. With access to the presence of God, we've decided that we're better if we just don't partake. In John chapter 14, verse 15, if you want to open up your Bibles. By the way, um, we do have notes on like the sermon app if you want to follow along. Um, So first point, we have access to the presence of God in our lives. We have access. We do. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 teaches us. Second thing is we have access to firsthand information. Well, let's unpack that. John Chapter 14, verse 15 says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him. And here's the word, and manifest myself to him. That word manifest also means reveal. If we love him, He will reveal himself. He will manifest. He will be right here. Judas, not Iscariot, said, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father who will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave to you and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. We have access to firsthand information because the Bible says that, hey, if we love God and we obey his commandments, he will reveal himself to us. Now, we might be 
wondering, okay, firsthand information. Well, this is what I mean. We have access to actually hear the voice of God, and yet we've become content with the idea of hearing secondhand information. Now, secondhand information isn't bad, okay? Like, I told you about Victoria Falls, and you have secondhand information about that. You haven't been, but you now know about it. But you haven't been there. I have. I have firsthand information about Victoria Falls. I've actually experienced it. Now, secondhand information is good, because you know more about it, and potentially... Someone here might say, wow, that sounds incredible. I want to go. I want to experience that for myself. See, secondhand information is great, but all it is is to draw people to the source, to hear and to see for themselves. And this is what I mean by we've become too content with secondhand information. I started evaluating my life, and I started looking at the moments that I felt the closest with God. And too often I noticed a pattern or a trend where I would talk to my friends or I would talk to my wife and I would say something like this. I read this book and I learned something about God. And it inspired me. It it opened up something in me. It awakened something in me. I heard this song and it taught me something about God. And encouraged me and moved me forward. I heard Randy preach something and encouraged me, and it moved me forward. Now again, listen, church, secondhand information, all that stuff, church is really important. God's plan is for the church. This is hugely important. And in fact, this year, in the time that we've not been able to meet, I think we understand how important it is that the church gathers, right? Now, what I'm saying, though, is there's power in secondhand information. There's power in the pulpit But there's more power in the source. And that source is the Holy Spirit living within you and me. Manifesting himself, revealing himself to us. This is what he says he will do. It's so cool. In this passage, we just read that the Holy Spirit, if we love him and we obey him, this is what he is for us. He will help us, verse 15. He dwells. Within us, verse 17, he reveals himself or manifests. He is here present with us, verse 21. He will make himself home. I love this because I always think about experiencing the presence of God as like the mountaintop moments. And you know what I was told? I I was told so much that, hey, you have the mountaintop moments so that way then you can come back down in the valley. Jesus just said that he will make himself home. To experience the presence of God, no matter what we're going through, whether we're like, yay or not, he will make himself home. I have access to experience the presence of God in my life all the time. He will teach us the things of truth. I look around and I don't even know what to believe anymore. Everybody's telling me this is truth, that's truth, this is what it is. I don't know, but you know what? The Bible says that if the Holy Spirit is within me, he will show me what's truth. He will remind me the things that he has taught in his scripture, and he will give me peace. And then, once again, I find myself sitting at the table, and God says, I will help you, I will dwell within you, I will make myself home, I will teach you, 
I will give you peace, and I need peace. I need all of this stuff. I need God to speak in my life in a way that he's never done before. And he says, look, this is what I will do. If you love me and you obey me, I will manifest myself to you. I will reveal myself to you. I will come and make home to you. I will do all these things. And instead of partaking in that, in the gift of obedience, the gift of God in our life, I instead decide to say, I'd rather keep my plate empty. I'd rather keep my life empty and I'd rather starve because obedience is hard. Maybe it's not just hard. Maybe it's not like, hey, I know God's telling me to do something and I just don't want to do it. Maybe, maybe you're in a different situation and you're saying, I don't even know what God's asking me to do. And yet God says he's prepared a feast. As we continue in John chapter 15, I love this, is we have access to God's strength and God's power in our life. This is what it says, John 15 verse one, I am the true vine. Now remember, this is Jesus speaking and we broke it up in chapters, but he's just continuing speaking. He says, if you love me, you obey me, I will manifest myself to you. And he just keeps on continuing and he says, I am the true vine, and my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered in the throne to the fire and they burn. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Hey, look, when we, when we say a word like a million times, uh, sometimes it just kind of loses its meaning. So we just said abide at least half a million times. So I want to clarify. Abide, the word used there is, is basically translated to remain. And if we think about remaining, it means staying put, holding fast. And again, with context here, what he's saying is, hey, abide in me, remain in me, obey me. Stay in the word of God, stay in his truth, and you will bear much fruit. See, first off, we know this. We have access to the presence of God in our life. Second is that we actually have access to firsthand information, to hear God's voice. Third is that we have access to the power of God in our lives. Now, I, I, again, I think we've become too convinced with, content with our own power and our own abilities. And you might be arguing with me like, I know I'm not going to do it. Like, I know I'm not good enough. 
But I want to begin to ask this question. This is a tough question, I understand, because it breaks my heart because I started asking this myself, and it just crushed me. How would you describe a Christian? Think about it. See, far too often when we begin to think about what a Christian looks like, you know what we go to is we talk about just the fruits. We talk about the fact that, oh, you know what, if they... If they're a Christian, they're a better person, right? A lot of times, even when we talk about our pursuit of God, we say, I'm trying to make myself right with God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that, hey, if you're a Christian, your sins, they're going to be less obnoxious. That's good, right? Because that's kind of what we've ended up coming to describe what a Christian is. If I'm a Christian, I just sin less obnoxiously, and that way people kind of think I'm a better person, and I'm good. My grandma's happy. You know, my mom's happy. We're all happy, right? Because I'm less obnoxious. And believe me, sometimes I could be less obnoxious. That'd be good. But let me tell you this. This is what Jesus says. He says, I am the true vine. You know what that means? It means I am the true source. If we are in Jesus Christ, if we are a Christian, if we are a follower of Christ, it is not that we're a better person. It means that we are completely different. We are a new person. The old is gone and the new has come. Colossians 3 says to put off your old self with all your malice, all your hatred, all your wrath and your slandering and put on the new self. Put on the new self. And it actually talks about that new self being full of the evidence of the spirit of God living within our lives. It's a new person. And I love it because when it says that, hey, you're a new person, why are we a new person? It's so that way we prove to be his disciples. When we do this, people look at us and they don't say, wow, that guy got, he's a better person now that he got church. No, says that person's new. Something different happened in his life that changed him forever. He is made new. See, we're so content with this idea that like we got saved for the idea of being a better person or, or, or just like I'm saved from sin. But what if I told you that scripture actually teaches that he didn't just save you from sin, but to abundance and life. And that abundant life doesn't just start when you die in eternity. It starts now. John 10, 10 says this, I have come not just to bring life, but to bring life in the full. It says this in Hebrews 9, 14, it says, how much more then will the blood of Jesus Christ who offered himself unblemished to God through the Holy Spirit cleanse our conscience from acts that led to death so that I live greatly for God. Here's another one. Galatians says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no charge. So remain and abide in the Spirit. See, Jesus says, hey, if you come to me, you will be made new. You will have life abundant. And we oftentimes are content with our own power. He says, hey, you should have no other gods before me. We're like, okay, yeah, well, I don't have a little Buddha idol, so I'm good, right? We can think of it that simply, but check this out. We should have no other gods before me. He says, abide in me, I in you. I am the true vine. I am the source. And you know what we end up doing? We try to place our lives on empty wells, 
on empty sources and fill up our lives with. Every time we try to disobey the word of God, when God has spoken clearly and we try to do something that's outside of that, we put our hope and our faith in something that bears no fruit, will be torn off like a branch, it will wither and be burned away. And that is why God says, have no other gods before me. It's not because he wants you to miss out. It's because he says, I have come to bring you life and life to the full. So if you stay in me, if you obey my word, if you don't put any, your hope in any other God, any other thing, including yourself and your own desires, which is basically idolatry when I say like, hey, I'd rather trust my opinion than what God's opinion, because I know that God's word said this, but I feel a little different. That's idolatry, saying I, I'd rather trust myself than abide in the true source. And John fifteen five says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain, abide, obey me, and I will remain in you, and you will bear much fruit. So I, we've talked all these lofty ideas, and I, I get it. Like, that's kind of how I am. I, uh, I was on the first service, like, you know, I kind of live in this place my friends like to call, like, future Jordan land. Um, and it's just because I, you know, my, people can think my heads are always in the clouds, probably because they are. Um, you know, my, I, I always think about, I'm a dreamer, I think big thoughts. And so, like, I've explained this to you. Hey, yeah, we have access to the presence of God. We have access to firsthand information. We can actually hear God's voice in our own life. Oh, and also, you know, we have access to God's power, Right? Well, how? how? How do we even begin to do those things? And, and this is what I've become convinced. God's power, presence, and his voice awaits easy discovery and easy access. Like we can have it because Jesus did all the work. And yet we sit and we decide not to because you know what we decide to do? We decide it's better in our lives if we don't actually read God's word because I'm too busy. There's just a lot of stuff going on in my life. Work's really crazy. Hey, do you believe this? Even at church, we can say things like that. Like we can get to that place. Even, even me working at a church, I can actually, I have to fight thoughts. Man, things are really busy right now. I just don't have time. But he's the true vine. It's the true source. And rather than starving at the dinner table, rather than saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so close. You're, you're in church today. You probably all have a Bible. Rather than starving at the dinner table, God has invited us today and every day to experience the presence of God in our lives. Today and every day to hear his voice speak because he has actually revealed himself to us. And today and every day live with the power of God in our life because you know where the great feast of his presence and the revelation of God is? It's in my hands. God has revealed himself to us and the word of God and the Bible. And too often we've decided to not partake in it We've decided not to read it. We've decided not to obey it. We've decided not to memorize it. And we've said, you know what? I'm better off if I try to find my way somewhere else. We talk about revival. We talk about our, our community becoming new, coming alive again, our church having revival, our country having revival. And this is the time we all agree that we need grace and mercy 
So why do we keep trying to fill our lives up with things that God has not said to fill it up with? Don't starve at the dinner table. Come into his presence. There's three easy things that we can do to make this true in our lives. And it's not my opinion. Don't take my word for it because I still want to run to this and try to have God help me live this out. But three things, and this is the word of the Lord. Read God's word, know God's word, and obey God's word. First, we read God's word because if we love him and obey him, he will actually manifest himself to us. How do we know how to obey if we don't actually know what he's said? Read God's word. Second is memorize God's word. Know it. Know it by heart. The Bible says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against God. That means, hey, I've hidden your word in my heart. That way I always will abide in you and your strength because that is the true source of power. Not just my good works, but Jesus Christ himself. Hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against, against God. Colossians 3.16 says, hey, we want to teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This is talking about the word we're teaching and admonishing as we remind each other the word of God. I can't teach you if I don't know it. Teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with gladness and thanksgiving in your heart, so that in everything you do, in word or deed, it is glorifying to God. And last thing is obey God. God's word. If we've read it and we know it, we know what the Lord is speaking to us. We've heard his voice firsthand. We've partaken in the great feast of his presence and we know how to live and abide in him. I, you know, some people might even be looking at this saying, I don't, I don't even know how to begin to read this. Um, now, our church is all about being people of the book. So we do want to provide something for you. I'm really excited about this. Um, in, in room C101, next week at 9.15, for three weeks, okay, starting next week, we're going to do a thing called Bible Study Boot Camp. It's called that because my dad named it. And, um, <laughs> and it's going to be really awesome. It's going to give you tools on how to know, study, and read God's word. If you are totally confused, like, hey, what do, we, what do we do? Go do that. Another thing you can do, and I'm just trying to be super, again, I've been up in the clouds. I want to be, I want to be real and, and just like, hey, this is how you can apply this to your life. Um, I, my wife and I, about 32 days ago, I think we're on thir- day 32, um, we started doing a, a 90-day read-through with some friends in my life group uh, of the New Testament. And we're just reading God's word because we know that if we read God's word, we'll know God's word, we'll memorize God's word, and we'll be able to obey God's word. So for 90 days, we're just reading through it. So for you, maybe you can look to your left and your right, maybe your friend, maybe your, you know, maybe your spouse and say, hey, let's read through the New Testament together. And let's talk about it. Let's teach and admonish one another. Here's the thing. I've been so hungry this year for the Lord to speak in a way that is new and fresh. Because, man, I started off this year, and I should have known. I mean, within the first hour of this year, I fell down some bleachers and sprained my ankle. Like, I should have known this year was going to be rough, right? 
And I'm really sorry because I think that was a bad omen for the rest of the year for all you guys. So really, 2020, if you want to blame it on anyone, you can blame it on me. But I, I, I'm, I was like, God, do something great. I started off this year and I was so motivated. I was like, God's going to do something great in our young adult group. God's going to do something great in our youth group. God's going to do something great in our congregation. God is going to enable us to be the, the church that 804 can't live without. And you know what happened? One, I think he has enabled us to do that. But you know how he did that? He slowed us down. Like a lot. Like a lot. And maybe if we filled up our time a little bit more with reading God's word rather than binge watching the next show on Netflix, we'd abide in God's love. He says all of this so that in the end, we will be filled with his joy, his life abundantly. Amen? Do we want to be the church the 804 can't live without? Yes. Yes, we do. How do we do it? We can't do it on our strength, our own power. We do it by experiencing the presence of God for ourselves, hearing his voice and living within the power of God. And we do that by reading and partaking in the great feast of the Bible. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for what you've given us. Thank you, God. I thank you that, that you are speaking to us even now. God, I, I pray for our church community. God, I pray. I pray this truth that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so, God, I know right now there's probably a lot of questions that we ask. And, God, I pray that you begin to speak to us and move in us in a mighty way and give us the faith that what you said is true, that if we just obey your word, we'll see you move in a way that we've never seen before. So, God, I pray today and tomorrow and this week and, and so on. God, that you speak to us in a way that is new and fresh. God, that you bring revival of your spirit, a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us because each and every one of us come to you for your word and your truth and you fill us up with your spirit and your truth. God, that you lead us to peace God, that we won't be so divided, but God, will be unified for your kingdom and your word. God, I pray for a great revival, more so than what we saw with the first great awakening or the second great awakening. I pray for more than even what we've seen even recently with Billy Graham and the tent revivals. God, I pray that we see you move because you turn our hearts to obedience. God, you can do that. You can change our community. You can change our church. You can change our hearts. You can revive our families. God, I ask for that. God, speak and move. God, let us not starve at the dinner table, but let us take, let's take, let's partake in your feast. Jesus, we ask this in your name. All God's people said, amen.